Welcome to episode 75 of the Amanda Wagner podcast, the place for fiercely ambitious entrepreneurs and leaders who want to get off the sidelines, build a legacy and claim their spotlight. In this episode, we reverse roles and Liz brings to the table some questions that she wants to know my answers to. I will share the highs, lows, and then in between as we reflect on the past year. And of course, we talk a little bit about what is to come for 2023. I'm Amanda Wagner, a business strategist, coach, and professional speaker. And I'm Liz Pittman, a digital communications specialist. The Amanda Wagner podcast is the place for ambitious leaders and entrepreneurs who are done shopping for shortcuts, no longer waiting for an invitation to do what they want, and are ready to claim their spotlight. On this podcast, we talk about the challenges and triumphs of ambition and bravery, living thoughtfully and strategically in a noisy world, and share our experiences as entrepreneurs with big ambition. This is normally where I would do an introduction and start with, if you're like me, but I'm going to throw it over to Liz. It's all you, my friend. Oh, well, thank you. This episode always feels, and I think I said this last year too, this episode always feels a little bit like a performance review, but in the very best way possible. It's an opportunity to reflect, to ponder, the year that was. And hopefully, as always, I hope our listeners draw inspiration from the questions, consider their own answers as well with what has changed for them this year. So are you ready? Well, I want I also want stickers and an A plus at the end. Absolutely. I I am here for gold stars and A pluses and whatever other thing you need. I am happy to do that. Cookies, hugs, virtually. I will do all the things. Fantastic. All right. Oh, can I get a brownie from Mocha House? (laughs) It would be my pleasure. (laughs) Every time I go to Victoria, Liz and I go for brownies at this beautiful cafe. And then we walk to the ocean and we pretty much just talk about how good the brownie is. It's a pretty good tradition we have. Yes. All right. Hit me. I was born ready. Okay. So this year was different for you. (laughs) You had some big changes in your life or one tiny little cute change who has had a tremendous impact for our listeners who maybe haven't had the chance to tune in for a while or haven't checked out social media, or if they're brand new to this community and starting with this episode, what was the very big thing or tiny little cute thing that happened for you and your family earlier this year? TLB, tiny little baby. Uh, We had a wonderful little baby. Her name is Dottie Vera. Uh, And she, at the time of this recording, is nearly eight months old. She was born March 31st. And I kept that pretty quiet. I didn't really talk about it. Uh, It was not posted on social media until after she was born. So that was a significant life change, which, of course, uh, Dottie is the absolute best. And of course, there is a ripple effect. She affected many other areas of our lives, but not only did I grow a human and birth a human, but we are now navigating life with one. So let's talk from the work perspective. How did becoming a parent and all of a sudden having to care for this cute little creature, how did that change your approach to work or did it? I don't know if we have that kind of time, Elizabeth. One thing I knew and have always said is that I don't want to be a mompreneur. I don't like the term. I think it devalues both roles. I don't think that 
I don't think I underestimated how hard it would be. I knew it would be hard. And our family mantra really became hard doesn't mean bad. We can do hard. Um, But it certainly changed my work from a couple different angles. The first one, of course, is just sheer time. I was primary parent during Dottie's first eight months, which meant that what our family negotiated is that I had nine specific hours of work per week where we have a wonderful baby nanny who takes care of Dottie and I get focused work time. So the actual time I had to work went down. The second piece was that my efficiency went way up. I have never done things so quickly and overthought way less simply because I'm like, I don't have time to overthink this. This doesn't matter that much. I would say that the third way that it impacted me is that, or impacted my work life, excuse me, is that I always have this looming need to prove something. And I want more and I want bigger and I want it all and I want it now. And I have a little bit less sleep and I have a little bit less energy and I have less time. And so I have had to, correction, I have to, because I still haven't really done it. I have to renegotiate what my life looks like, what my goals look like. And the question comes up all the time in in my work, in my marriage, with my therapist, what am I trying to prove? Because I've always been somebody who wants more. And so to have to pull back on that a little bit or hit pause or renegotiate, it has been probably the biggest challenge. What does that ne- renegotiation process look like? Is it a series of conversations with yourself, with your partner and your therapist? Like, what does that look like to you when you're like, okay, something's got to change? How do you get going on that? I cry. Um, That's there a are great a- start. <laughs> <laughs> how, how do I renegotiate? I cry a lot. Um, there are a lot of tears there, there really are. And again, I, I, the number one reason I hate parenting articles and books is because they talk about all these like shitty, treacherous things. And then they, they tie it up in a bow with, but it's so worth it. Yeah, of course it's fucking worth it. Next. Like that's not the question. I have a wonderful human being. Let's just blanket that. Of course she's lovely. Of course she's worth it. That's not what we're talking about. The renegotiating is being really fiercely honest with myself and answering the question, what am I trying to prove and to who? So that that's part of it. And I will tell you two weeks ago, I had a good, good meltdown. And my partner, Robin was like, just breathe, like stop and take a breath. And I yelled, I don't have time to breathe which we can laugh about now, but two weeks ago, it wasn't funny. Um, So, so the renegotiation process is, is really just zooming out, which I'll be honest, I haven't done yet. I haven't had the time. If I don't have time to breathe, I don't have time to zoom out and sit back with a notebook, but it has looked like a lot of conversations between me and my therapist, me and my husband, my husband, my therapist, and I, all three of us in that room. Um, It's a lot of talking 
It's a lot of talking and it, um, unfortunately I, I process a lot through writing and making little notes and post-its. And I just haven't given myself that time because for better or worse, I have put money on a pedestal. And for somebody who says, but at what cost? I don't always live that way. So yeah, it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of conversations. And in the next few weeks, as things slow down a little bit, it's going to be a lot of sitting down with a notebook and having some space on my own. I'm excited for you to have quality notebook time. I can't wait. <laughs> I, I got a new notebook. Uh, it's not the best notebook in the world, but it's, it's new and it's going to do. And I like, I have my pen picked out. I'm, I'm so ready. That's very exciting. I'm very happy for you to have that space to be able to do that. Thank you. So it sounds like becoming a parent has reinforced some existing values, taught you some new lessons as well. Some lessons that you weren't anticipating. Oh yeah. And, and lessons that I'm mad about too, that I'm like, I, this is not a convenient time to learn this lesson. This is not the moment that I wanted to learn that if I push too hard, I'm going to end up terribly sick. And something I really wanted to do, I had to call and reschedule because I pushed myself to the limit. One of those examples, Liz, you <laughs> the trip that shall not be talked about, Liz and I plan to see each other, right, a couple times a year. And so my partner had reading week at the university. And so I booked his trip to Victoria. I, I cleared it with him. I said, I really, I need to get on a plane. I have to prove that we can do this. All my mom friends are taking their kids on planes and trips and whatever. And so booked it. And the night before we left, Robin said to me, we, okay, we have to be up at three in the morning and at 1030 at night, he said to me, I just have this feeling like we shouldn't go. He said, I just feel like for my mental health and we don't have a lot of time off and I just, things just don't feel right. And I a hundred percent bullied him into going. And the day we got there, Dottie got sick, like violently ill, throwing up on me. Uh, when we're not in our own home, we're not in our own city. Uh, Dottie got sick, then Robin got sick, then I got sick, then Liz got sick. And five people and two bathrooms. It was a challenging, it was a challenging couple of days. And so I'm also, one of the lessons that I'm learning is that I can't just listen to what I want to do. I now have to incorporate what other people think and start to trust them. That, that lesson was learned in a really hard way. Mm-hmm. With only nine hours of work time <laughs> per week <laughs> to continue with the lessons learned here, with only nine hours per week, And please be honest here. Are you saying no more? Am I saying no more? Are you saying no more often? Oh, I thought you said, are you saying no more? Is in like, are you no longer saying? Are you not with it? (laughs) Oh no. Are you saying the word no? Are you saying the word no more than you were? No. Mm -hmm. That's the problem. Yeah. I'm still saying yes. And then the hours come in the evening when I'm completely burnt out. My energy level is so incredibly low at the end of the day that 
I don't have energy to take care of myself, to love on my partner. Uh, it's, it's been a challenge because those nine hours are our work time. And I'm like, I'll fit it in. I'll find it. Part of that's people pleasing. And part of it is trying to prove again, what am I trying to prove and to whom this big, I, I finally thought, is it that I'm trying to prove that I'm some superhuman who can parent and run my own business and do better than I ever have? Okay, maybe I'm trying to prove that. I also think about it. Am I trying to prove that I made more money this year while having a baby, while taking two months off, while working nine hours, hours a week? If that's what I'm trying to prove, then check mark, great, I did it. But I have no gas left in the tank. I'm miserable. I haven't done it right, but I've tested this way and it doesn't work. So I, I have to, I, know, I don't just have to say no more. I have to trust that if I say no, or if I say not yet, I've built my reputation and I've built my brand such that people will say, okay, when can it become a yes? Or what do we have to do instead to make this a yes? Because often it's me who's jumping to say yes before making any accommodations. That's not working for me anymore. Mm -hmm. I wanted to start there because I think that this is, you're not alone in this. So many people are in the middle of this. So I wanted to start here so that all of our listeners who are tuning in today can have a big sigh of relief. Yeah. And not just, not just parents. Absolutely. Anybody who is saying yes and who is stretched to their limit and still saying, I can fit it in. I can find a way there there's more money or I'm never going to get this opportunity again. Like I've done some crazy shit in the last three months that were not good decisions. And yet I still am like martyring myself feeling like I had to do it, mm -hmm. but I didn't. Okay, let's switch gears. I want to move into um, some more joy or some more looking ahead to exciting things. You want to be on more stages and you're, yeah. putting, a lot, you're putting a lot of energy into that. Tell our listeners, how is that going and what's next in your plan? Even just thinking about it, like my eyes lit up. I like stood up a little straight. I'm like, yeah, put me in coach, put me on the stage. It's where I want to be. I had one of the coolest experiences, um, coolest and most terrifying presenting at a disrupt HR conference. My topic was everything sucks and about how empathy at work can increase productivity. And the style was you have five minutes, you have 20 slides and they auto advance every 15 seconds. And I was, I was so excited and so nervous. Cause I typically, I love rules, but when this, this like structure was like, this is how you do it. I was like, mm, I don't know. I'm not really a slide deck person. It feels so good. Like the adrenaline of doing that just felt amazing. And the person who was speaking after me, him and I know each other from a past life in startup land. And he was like, oh, I saw that I'm going after you. And he said, you're going to be a tough act to follow. And I said, 
sorry, but yeah, like I know what I'm doing here. And I, when I left the stage and he was going up, he just gave me this look like, oh shit. He said, you were right. And like, I'm, I'm on fire on stage. And what I love is that because I've put it out there more that that's where I want to be. I've been asked to speak to audiences of six people and 60 people and 150 people. Like it's not about the size of the audience. Like I'm bringing my A game no matter what. And so part of the reason why it's so hard for me to say no is because I want to do, I want to keep like cutting my teeth on all these opportunities. So when, when I'm on stage, my, my magic is, is not about the content. Yes, I will, I will give my heart and soul to creating great content and to customizing it, but it's my delivery. It's the way that I'm so intentional about how do I present ideas? How do I make sure they stick? What's the language and the examples and the stories that I use that leave people actually making a change? Because I have seen far too many people on stages and in professional development that come up with this big idea. And then I go back to work the next day and I use the exact same things that I've always been doing. My practice doesn't change. And I'm committed to to doing it different and doing it better. And oh, I like, I just, I can't stop talking about it. It's where I am the most on and I want it every week. I want that every single week next year. So I know what your big plans are, like eventually where you want to be on the speaking side of things. But if we are to think very small scale next six months, what does the ideal, perfect, I want that speaking gig look like for you in the next six months? What kind of audience, any ideas, if you can start to picture the immediate future, what is it that, what's that thing you want? I think the next thing is a TEDx. I want alternatively a, a company that's like moving and shaking. So to speak at like an annual conference for, for a a corporation, for an institution that rallies all their people together. Um, It also, I would like to be outside of Alberta. Right. I I want a Toronto, a Vancouver, a a Winnipeg, Oregon, like somewhere outside where the number of people I'm talking to, they can each take this idea and their little like tentacles will run with it. So notice that it's, it's far less about industry, right? Which is always, that's what I've always said about sales. I'm like, I can sell dog food. I could sell tires. I feel the same with speaking. I could speak to a group of insurance agents. I could speak to a group of HR professionals. I could speak to a team of people who teach post-secondary. It's not about the area. It's about how we communicate in meaningful ways and giving me a topic, what your team needs to do. And I work backwards and figure out how to get them there. So that's, that's what I want. I want a talk that is outside of my city. I, I don't care about the number of people, but I care that it is an industry or a group that are, are moving and shaking and going, we need somebody to throw some gasoline and light a fire on what we're doing so that we can make that change happen faster and in a more meaningful way. So for the listener who is currently listening to this, not in Alberta, do you have an ask for them? Absolutely, I do. Um, 
<laughs> call me. Uh, <laughs> my ask is if you are the person who gets to make decisions, let's talk about what you need. You can come to me with the most half formed idea that you think is stupid that you're like, but I don't have anything in mind. I don't know what this looks like. I just know that we do a conference once a year, or I just know that we need somebody to ignite all of our team. My ask is if you're somebody who calls in those people, or if you know that every year your company, your institution brings in somebody, I want you to come to me and say, we need somebody great, but we don't know for what yet. And let me do that work. We will find a way to make it work. But what I need is for you to come to me and not sit and wait until you have the perfect idea because we'll make it together. Love it. What part of your job brought you the most joy this year? Was it speaking? What was that thing that really got you fired up and so excited? Is it wrong to say that it was my beautiful Emmy DeVoe sequined blazer? (laughs) Wearing that blazer brought me the most joy. Let's Uh, go a little more work specific. (laughs) Okay, fine. One of the big ones, I had an opportunity to design a year-long program for McEwen University and work with 150 different staff members in a way that the associate vice president who hired me was like, I trust you build something. And I got to build the pieces and tweak them and work with different people throughout. That was a huge win. Um, I had a, an interesting opportunity in uh, Killam, Alberta to work with Flagstaff County. I got to interview uh, Graham Sherman who runs Toolshed Brewing And it was so cool because he had 45 minutes. He told this fascinating story and I got to do a a 20 minute interview with him after. And he explicitly said to me, you know, a lot of people come to me and they say, I want your job. I want to travel around the world and tell my story and get paid for it. And after I interviewed him, he said to me, you know, a lot of people come to me with that. And he said, based on that interview, he's like, you've got this. We need, we need to talk. You're one of the people that could actually do this. And so getting that piece of validation, but also getting to hone my interview chops felt really good where I got an opportunity to put myself in the, in the shoes of the audience and go, well, he said that the competition doesn't really matter, but I want to dig more into that. That was a really cool thing. Um, and again, One of my biggest joys and victories of this year is that a woman who listens to the podcast heard the ask of, I want to speak to big groups. And she said, come and speak to the businesses of Hinton. You've got something. And now I get to go back out there in January and do it again. And I get to build these relationships with people that are doing such cool things and have people at the end of these talks come up to me and say, we should be friends. Or you said this thing and I've always thought that, but I've never been able to say it out loud. So (laughs) here's 30 things to answer your question. To answer your question, the, the highlights for me, working with people who trust me and say, take the reins. I know you're going to create something great. Tell us what you're going to do and make it happen. 
working with other people who are at a level on stages that I want to be and getting that validation and getting to have those great conversations. And the third one is really spreading it more, taking it wider in a sequined blazer. Obviously. I think that goes without saying, but I'm glad that that's here for public record. <laughs> it's just so good. It's a good one. It's like, it's this most beautiful investment piece. And I said to Emmy, who runs the brand, I said, I feel like you just made this for me. <laughs> and even though it wasn't, I'm just telling myself that story. <laughs> it's a beauty. You've hinted at this a little bit with some of your highlights of the year, but I want to know who inspired you this year? Oh, wow. What a great question. This year I have been more head down than ever. I have looked at fewer people. I have read fewer books. Okay. I'm going to be cheesy because we know the answer is supposed to be Dottie and I'm going to make the answer Dottie, but I'm, but for a different reason than you may think. Yes, of course, my child inspires me to be the best that I can be, blah, 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 to provide this life for her, yada, yada, yada. But an activity that I do often with my clients and teams and on stages is I talk about the ultimate compliment that you could receive. What is the ultimate compliment that would make you so proud that would make you run to your family and be like, can you believe someone said this? You would put it on the fridge. And I've started to think about this in the context of Dottie and say, what is it that I want her to say? And the ultimate compliment that I want from Dottie, I want her to say, my mom said yes. And that doesn't mean yes to every toy or everything, or like, it's not about stuff. It's that at one point, Dottie's going to come to me with this idea that she might think is crazy. And I'm going to go, great, let's figure it out. And so seeing this little person learn these things and watch me, it inspires me to find a new way of setting boundaries. It inspires me to do the incredibly hard work of asking, what am I trying to prove and to whom? It inspires me to figure out how do you create a loving and sustainable marriage and family and still kick ass at work. That's inspiring to me. Maybe it's cheesy. Meh, I'm okay with it. That's not cheesy. I don't think that's cheesy. I something you did say something interesting in that you looked you've looked at fewer people this yeah. year, which is an interesting thing because I know you so well. I know that that's that's not totally normal for you. <laughs> you not are, even a little bit. <laughs> I'm being gentle. You. <laughs> I think you fall into that comparison trap every so often. I know you have less time now. Yeah. You are spending far less time on social media, I know as well. How has looking at fewer people changed you? Has it changed yeah. you? It has changed me. Yeah. I didn't intentionally set out to put blinders on and say I'm looking at fewer people. It's that I my time is is decreased. And so where I put it matters more. So yeah, I don't spend nearly as much time on Instagram. I think that I'm getting more and more dedicated to doing it my way because it was very easy 
in the beginning to look at somebody else's manual and go, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this the Brene Brown way. Okay, great. I have to get a PhD in social work. No, that's not who I am. That's not what I'm going to do. Um, so I could look at somebody else's manual and now I'm realizing that that actually just slows me down because it makes me second guess. And if I look at the proof of what I've been able to do and stop trying to find the answer and just try it my way, it'll either work or it won't, but I will gather a ton of information and move forward. And actually one thing that, that Graham Sherman from Toolshed Brewing did say, we, we talked explicitly about competition and he says, you know, with starting a brewery, of course there's competition, right? It seems like there's a new craft brewery down the street every week. And he said, we get so caught up in who gets which piece of the pie when really we could put our energy into building more pie shops. And that has stuck with me. Instead of looking for my little piece, I'm like, I'm going to build my own. And I'm going to help someone else build their own because all of our pies are going to be different. And so it's, it's really this internal trust. And I'm like, no, no, I'm going to find this my way. And I can look at what other people are doing and go, cool and good for you. And I'm proud of you. And that's, that's neat, but it's not my way. If the, if the envy of looking at other people isn't fueling me, it's not, it's not worth it. It has to fuel me. That's the, the beauty of envy. If I'm looking at somebody going, oh, I want that. Then I have to figure out how to get it for myself. But if it slows me down, no, I don't have time for that. Can you hear my crying child? I have to get her. She's just very chatty. So wish me luck. And while Amanda is away, I will say her notes about envy. If you want to learn more about that, you can visit episode 11 about professional envy and episode 35, where we talked about compare and declare revisiting professional envy. Hello, NTLP. <laughs> Hi, sweetie. Okay. Hi, Dottie Vera. Hello, NTLP. I asked this question last year, but I want to ask it again. For so many, you are the person to call when something goes right. Yeah. Often people call you before they call their partner. You are, <laughs> you're the person. So I want to know what was the best phone call you received oh. this year from someone who was celebrating? Oh, I love, I, people who are listening, please keep calling me with your celebrations. Um, I got a text a couple weeks ago from somebody who said, she just did this little like, remember that crazy revenue goal we set? I beat it by 25 grand. That was a cool one. I think I said this last year because I can't think of a specific example, but I do hear from people when they ask for something and they, they'll text me and say, or call me and say, they said, yes, like they actually said yes to this. Um, there's a couple people in, in my community that I've worked with that have created new jobs for themselves, which is really cool to see people who are like, not sure about this. I'm kind of unhappy. I don't know. And I'm like, well, what if you built your own job? What if you pitched this to somebody? Um, yeah, let me keep thinking about this one. Cause I know 
let's let's turn this into a, a future Instagram LinkedIn post because I I love these phone calls and I will always make time for them. Always. I love that. I love that. Before we talk about what's to come in 2023, I have one other kind of look back on 2022. What was your favorite episode of the podcast this year? Let me scroll. Yeah. There are a few to look back on. Come on, little buddy. Let me scroll. Ah! <laughs> How meta to be playing your own podcast on your podcast. <laughs> it's so embarrassing to me. Like there are times where I will be in my car listening and it's like it, the volume is loud and I'll pull up and someone will be like, oh, I heard you were listening to your own podcast. I'm like, oh, I promise I was just reviewing it. <laughs> There were some pretty good ones this year. There really were. I mean, they're good every year. I'm also just scrolling back right now. I think one of the episodes that I'm really proud of, well, it's actually three episodes with similar topics. Um, episode 61, choosing your trade-offs, paired with uh, Episode 71, make that money, honey, because we talk about how you can pull different levers to make changes or make money. And then episode 72 that follows right after it, like seeking validation. What are you trying to prove? So this idea of trade-offs and making changes, it's, it's not only very true to the life that I'm living right now, but it's definitely something I'm taking into 2023, knowing that I'm not primary parent next term. My husband is going to be the primary parent from January to April. So I will have more time, but already I've decided that that doesn't mean I'm going to swap from nine hours a week to 40 hours a week and just fill up my schedule. I'm already thinking, what do I want to keep from this life? And how can I continue to be more efficient even when I have more time? So this idea of trade-offs has been so impactful for me, especially knowing that I haven't been saying no and need to practice that. Mm -hmm. On my quick scroll back, episode 61 trade-offs was one of my favorites as well. I was just, for those of you listening who haven't heard that episode, I am biased, but I recommend it. We talked about why trade-offs are not trade-downs. And typically when we think about trade-offs, it it feels like a negative thing, but it's not, and it doesn't have to be. And and having that perspective shift was a a nice one for me. Might be something to revisit as our listeners are thinking about what the new year looks like. Might be some good food for thought. I think that's a really good idea. And it was you that came up with that language, right? A trade, a trade off doesn't mean a trade down. It doesn't mean you're downgrading. It doesn't mean that you are, are less than, or whatever, like emotion we wrap into that. Um, a trade off can just be a trade off. There's, there's a neutrality there. Yeah. I think that's a great, it's a highlight from this year for sure. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the next year. Let's look at 2023. You've already mentioned that your work schedule may look different in the first bit of that year because there's going to be a change in schedules in your house. So yeah. how will, let's start with that. How will the year look different? Big question. The I want the year to look different because before I start saying yes or no to anything, what I want to do is set out what I want. 
So I want to have a really clear picture of here are the things that I want for this year. Here's what I want to say yes to. And I think when I don't do that, when I don't have that intention is where I say yes to everything. And then I end up going, oh, my plate is full. My tank is empty and I don't feel personally or professionally fulfilled. So, so one big piece, yeah, is, is having a, a stick to measure things against that is a stick that I create, that I spend time going, what do I actually want here? Why does this really matter? Um, I think the other way that it's going to change is that I think up till this point, I've said, I'll do anything and everything to make money, to build my reputation, to find more people. And I think my desperation is going down and my trust is going up. So that means that I want to say yes to the right things, not to everything. And I think I need to change again, that measuring stick that it's not just money. Yeah. I love money. I love making money. I love I, I love feeling like I, I've made more than I ever have in my life and I've done it myself. And there are other things that I want out of my life too. And one of the things I really do want to focus on is my last couple of years have been, because they've been about money, they've also been about client work and about the shorter game. And for me, I, I kind of have my tail between my legs because I've been saying for three freaking years that I want to write a book. And I've had taken more action on that in the last six months than ever before, where I've actually written a book proposal and hired a, like a publishing consultant to help me with this. And I think I have to play the longer game of if I actually want to write and get this book published, I need to spend some time, some time doing things that don't equate to money in the same month. So one of the pieces is, is the long game. What do I actually want to achieve over a series of years? Because each little year adds up to something bigger. So I, I think I have enough confidence and enough proof now that I don't have to just look one year at a time. So we've talked about speaking. We've talked about the book writing process. Yeah. How else have your goals or objectives shifted? In the last episode, we talked about the three-year-ago version of us when we started this podcast. And then looking at us now, how have things changed for you in terms of what is the priority in 2023? The priority for me is to start thinking about where do I want to be in a handful of years? not just getting by. I don't want to live a getting by life. I want to live a life with a bigger impact. I need to zoom out a little bit. Um, and I think one of my, one of my goals too, is to start practicing what I preach because it works. <laughs> like it's, it sounds so obvious, but when I ask for more, I get more of what I want. When I say no and set boundaries, my life is better for it. So I think in some ways, part of me has to stop playing the take anything and everything and do it all 
instead of maybe I want it all, I want it now, it's I want the right things in the right time and I will figure it out because I have enough confidence and a, a good enough reputation and the integrity to know that I will figure that out. And I don't think I've ever really had that actual trust before and not in like a manifesty way in a real like no I I will get what I want that has never been the question but now I can start to figure out the immediacy of it how important if it's if the most important thing to me is to write a book I can pump out a book and I can self-publish it but I made the decision that that's not what I want to do so it's going to take me a little bit longer it's going to cost me a little bit more but if it's really what I want, I will figure out how to get there. Exactly. Dots. Exactly. Thank you for putting the period on the end of that sentence, Dottie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Your work schedule is going to look different. Yep. You are going to have more than nine hours a week if you'd like. Yes. Are you excited about that? How are you feeling about that? Uh, I'm excited. I'm mostly excited. Dottie would like you to stay with nine hours, clearly. <laughs> Dottie's like, no, nine hours. Let's hang out all the time. Also, dad's home. Let's let's just the three of us hang out. We love weekend. <laughs> Every day's a weekend. I am mostly excited about it. What I will say though, and and this is a very vulnerable, uncomfortable thing to say. I have not been my best self in the last couple months and I have spent more time than I would like keeping score because in, in our home, some of the conversation has been like, okay, Amanda, I know nine hours is not, not as much as you want, but things are going to change. Just wait for January, just wait for January. And so it's been challenging for me up to this point to be like, okay, wait for January. But also, does that just mean that Robin and I are going to switch roles and he's going to do everything I do? It's not going to happen that way. So the, the negativity that I have put into keeping score of like, all right, fine. Well, we'll wait for January. You went out with your friends for a beer after work X number of times. Well, I'm going to do that with my friends X number of times. So it's exciting because I think it's a do-over. But in order for it to stay exciting, I have to let go of some of the scorekeeping that I've done that isn't healthy behavior, some of the assumptions that it will just be one for one, which it won't be. Um, but I really look at it as a chance to reinvent what I want my work life to look like and what I want it to look like long-term. Cause I, right. We're playing the long game. And I also want to be able to spend time with my incredible kid it's it, we had said in a past episode the perks of flexibility only exist if we take them so i'm not going to jump to being at an office 9 hours a day 5 days a week that's not who i am that's not what i want so i am excited and i'm i'm going to be strategic with part of it and also part of it i'm this might shock you but I'm going to see how it goes. I have to try it first. It's been a long time since I've been able to work full time. I want to try it. I want to test the waters because I don't want to just go into overthinking and taking way more time if I don't need to. My last question is, we have talked quite a bit on this podcast about flexibility, the choices we make 
as business owners and freelancers, even the choices that we can make or are empowered to make when we work for somebody else. And we often come back to the idea of vacation. You take all of July off. We've talked, I think maybe once on the podcast, but definitely you and I off mic have talked about how you're also thinking about maybe taking another month off. Tell me the plan. What does flexibility and those trade-offs look like for you in 2023? At this point, what are you planning? At this point, I want July and August off. I have resisted thinking that I have a seasonal business until this year when I took July off and August was really slow for my clients anyways. And, and I don't mean like revenue slow, but we're on vacation. We've got kids. We like other things are happening. Um, and then this fall only having nine hours a week and realizing that I could have much more business if I wanted it. So I think I'm actually going to spend this year leaning into the, the seasonality and realizing that January to May is kind of my season. And then September to December is also really full. So looking at that piece of my business, flexibility and trade-offs also mean that I really want our family to have a consistent family day. I believe in the four-day work week, time to practice it. I don't want to work Fridays ever. I also like, I want the same for my partner. So we now need to figure out what that looks like. So my hope is yes, July and August off. My hope is that we, we can work a four day a week lifestyle more often than not. That doesn't mean 11 hour days, four days a week. Um, and it, it means the, the only way I'm going to be able to do that is to practice what I preach, which is if it's a yes, it has to be a hell yes. If it's a no, it's a hell no. And like I said, sitting down with some notebook time and figuring out what are the yeses I want, asking for more of them and not just waiting for opportunities to come to me because I love when they do. But if I know what I want, it's such an opportunity for me to find it and get it and ask for more. Yeah. Dottie, your mom said such great things in there that will be a real, but I worry you're just going to steal focus. You're being Oh, nobody's listening to me. She's very cute. She's got post-its in her hand. Like this is my child. Why buy toys when you just have office supplies, right? Exactly. She has this wackety rock star hair. Nobody's looking at me. I'm oddly getting used to it because she's amazing. And I also think, like you said, this, this inspiration piece, but also this little time capsule we're creating we, we have this cool little snapshot of like, this is where I am. And I can't wait till Dottie is old enough. And to be like, do you want to hear where we were when you were eight months old and what I was thinking and planning and how it went? So cool. Yeah, very cool. I'm very excited for what's to come in 2023. I'm really proud of what you have done this year. I'm also proud of what we've done on the podcast. I think it's been a spectacular year and I'm very excited to do more and explore more and have, you know, tough conversations that are helpful for our listeners as we head into 2023. How are you feeling post post performance review? Here are some gold stars. Here's an A plus you pass with flying colors. How are you feeling? I feel so full. I feel like, huh. Like, you know, when you just finish a a beautiful big pasta dinner and you just want to lay on the floor, that's, that's how I feel. 
I um, I want to go lay on the floor. I I like I said I want some notebook time. I I this is a big this is a big check mark for us, and I'm so proud proud of you and what we've created, and. I need some time and some space before I'm fired up for us to do it again, but I know I will get there. We are taking a break. It'll be nice to have a little bit of a a refresh, come in with some fresh energy, try some new things in 2023. Our next episode will be out January 11th. So we do have a little break. If you are, if you're behind on the podcast or you're new to the podcast, this is a great opportunity to listen back there's quite an archive for you to check out now, 75 episodes. So this is an open invitation to take a scroll back, find some topics that will help you focus and get pumped up for 2023. And we're just going to keep doing what we're doing. Thank you so much for interviewing me, Liz. Um, this is always one of my favorite episodes of the year, and I'm, I'm delighted that we could do it again. I can't wait to see you again in person. Uh, Dottie Vera is a big fan of you, as you know. And uh, cheers to 2023. Cheers to 2023. I think it's, I know it's going to be a good one. We believe in don't ask, don't get here. And that means that I'm going to explicitly ask you to share this podcast with somebody. We are 75 episodes and we are committed to moving forward. We're going to make some little changes and keep it going. So if you love listening to this, chances are, you know, somebody else who will too. Oh, full-size sneeze from a tiny little human. So with that, (laughs) share this podcast with somebody. Please rate and review our podcast so that we can keep growing and make sure that we are in front of the right people. Big thank you again to everybody who listens along. It is an absolute joy to create this and to know that it is getting into the hands and ears of the right people. If you listen on a platform like Apple Podcasts, you can leave a review. If you are a Spotify person, that's not a thing, but you can go to the top of our podcast page and give us five stars. It helps with our ranking. It helps get our voices and these ideas to more people. So thank you in advance. Thank you so much for being here. We will be back in more than two weeks. We'll be back on January 11th with our next episode. And until then, we will see you on the internet. That's a wrap. That's a wrap. 75. Woo. Woo. Thanks for that little cameo, Dottie. Oh, Dots, you stole the show in this episode, girlfriend. Is it because I had a giant sneeze? Well, it was a cute little sneeze. <laughs> She provided some really good, like, background ambient soothing sounds. She's our own little white noise machine.